We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on again tonight, and I have a great guest that I'm I'm really, really excited about this one um, and to share his story. Um, just uh, pretty amazing guy just from a little bit of research I've done and having a little bit of interaction with uh, with his parents on Twitter uh, just just an am- seems like an amazing guy so I have JJ Jones on the show tonight um, the past couple years he's been a tight end at Dartmouth in the Ivy League and he's just transferring to New Mexico State this year so JJ thanks for coming on tonight Hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me, and I'm excited to uh, get some questions answered and to just, you know, talk about my experience and everything I have going on with my new team. One thing I always love to talk to uh, players about, and we'll get to this later on, especially guys who've been through the transfer portal. I just think it's a mm-hmm. just an amazing thing, uh, something that when I was coaching, it wasn't as prevalent yet, and nowadays mm-hmm. it, it's a huge thing, obviously, but... We'll we'll yeah. get we'll get to that, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's really really interesting your background. Um, your dad obviously played at New Mexico State, and then your grandpa played at UTEP, and then was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, what's yeah. it, what's it like growing up in a family of football players? Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's honestly been the best thing I could have asked for. I mean, it's long as I can remember I've always been involved with football and and just holding a football like my dad has always said you know like ever since I was able to and able to stand I was just up and running around with a football and you know that grew into you know casual play and then eventually getting into a team uh, as a kid and then eventually things got more serious and that was when uh, my dad started to coach me more and you know give me some of the tips uh, about some of the things he's been through and that definitely helped me um, when going through high school and college, but then as well, like, uh, you know, just like things I had heard from my grandfather and just the tradition, um, of playing and succeeding. I just felt like I, I had to carry that on. And I know your dad was a tight end. Was your grandpa as well? Oh, no, he was not. He was more of a a running back. Okay. So it kind of switched up when it got to my dad and then stayed there. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, I mean, your grandpa going to UTEP, and then your dad goes to New Mexico State. You're at New Mexico State. I know that's a pretty big rivalry. So, uh, has that ever has that ever been like a, a thing between all you guys? Um, not really. But I mean, rest in peace to my grandfather. He's no longer with us. Um, but I mean, it's you know, it's definitely something that we've talked about. But I mean, we all share the love for football, and we're a family. So we've had you know some conversations where things have got. You know, a little heated and a little banter, but at the end of the day, you know, we all support each other, and we're all just proud to carry the Jones name. And and that's all it really that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Um, yes, sir. You're you're from California, correct? 
Yes, sir. Born in Arizona, and then I moved to California when I was about five. So, I mean, obviously the Ivy League is a national brand, but how how did mm-hmm. how do you end up in Dartmouth, in New Hampshire? Correct. Yes, sir. How, Very how, far. How do you end up in New Hampshire then? <laughs> um. So it all started in high school. My my team was not the greatest, but I mean, I still had a wonderful experience with some of the guys. Um. But it was senior year, I was getting recruited, um, just reaching out to schools near the end of the season, and I reached out to Dartmouth, and they hit me up right away, and uh, it was Coach Dwayne Brooks, and eventually he came out and visited me at my school, and it kind of all just took off from there. And once I visited the school, I pretty much fell in love. That's awesome. I, I, I mean, I've never been to New Hampshire, but just what's it like? Oh, I mean, honestly, I would not say this about most states. I mean, considering it's like a smaller, you know, lesser known state, but I highly recommend anyone who, you know, is down for traveling or hasn't traveled to visit the Northeast in New Hampshire because, you know, it's just green everywhere. You can do things pretty much all times of the year outside, um, snowboarding in the winter. And then during the summer, it's just absolutely beautiful. You can go kayaking, canoeing, hiking, all sorts of stuff. So it's just honestly a great place to live out like your your youth years. That's awesome. So Dartmouth, while you're there, had some amazing success the past two years winning back-to-back Ivy League titles. Um, yes, sir. You, you yourself were an all-Ivy League tight end. Um how how can you speak to the amazing team success you had and then like the personal success for yourself? Um, I would say it, it definitely always started with the team culture. Um, the team culture that Buddy Tevens has built is just, you know, one of the best in the country. I mean, you can see the stuff that Dartmouth is doing with uh, like football innovation and using the MVP um, and just changing the way uh, practice is handled. But, just the values he's instilled in us um, to not only be a great football player, a great student, but a great person at all times. And that always translated onto the field. And, you know, the guys were always so close with each other that we were always willing to go to war with one another. And, you know, if someone went down, we were right there to pick them back up. And I think that always helped us out throughout the fourth, uh, all four quarters, as you can see, like a lot of the times games go to the end. Um, but in terms of personal success, um, like I spoke on before, just using motivation of uh, you know my supporters and people back home, friends and family, just knowing that I, I can't let them down, but I can't let myself down. And you know I just want to make all those people who believe in me proud and give them a reason to, to keep believing in me. Absolutely. Um, and, and the Ivy League didn't have a 2020 season. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued to see or to hear kind of like how, how that was just like going an entire year without playing. Yeah, that was definitely, uh, that was very different. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people can speak about that as well. It's just a very big shock. Um, kind of came out of nowhere and just mm-hmm. having to switch up everything we did. Um, I mean, practices, we had to wear masks and stuff, uh, social distancing, um, had to practice in pods, uh, so, like, sometimes, like, we couldn't even do, uh, like, full 11-on-11 11 11 or 7-on-7. Seven seven. It was just a lot of stuff on air. But I think the team handled it really well um, because of the help of the coaches. They just made sure we didn't waste that time, which was really crucial, um, both in the weight room 
on the field and uh, in like meeting rooms studying the plays, which I think definitely helped us uh, come back in 2021 and keep the same energy we had in 2019. Uh, that's amazing to hear because I stopped coaching right as that was happening. So I, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's amazing to me to think of from a coach's standpoint that, that you would have to do those things with your players. And granted, I coach basketball, so it's a much smaller group of players. And I'm just thinking of it from a football standpoint, you got 75, 80 guys maybe. And just to have to manage that, I mean, I think it, it, it speaks volumes to all the coaches throughout the country that were able to do that. And then for the team, for the teams that had the success off of that, like you guys did, I mean, that just speaks volumes to your, your the coaching staff. Definitely, definitely. And I, I would think the uh, the principle that embodies it most is that you know if you're if you're not getting better, um, you're getting worse because you never stay the same. And you know if we would have just sat around and kind of you know breeze through COVID and um, not really done much to improve. And I think uh, 2021 would have, the season would have gone a lot differently, but because of the coaches, you know, they, they set us up for success. Absolutely. And I, I'm also intrigued to hear of uh, what, what is Ivy league football like, like from atmosphere, fan support, um, just like, what's it like playing in that league? You know, it's definitely, it's very niche. Um, you know, you have all your, your supporters and alumni for each school, and it's not like uh, FBS football or like Alabama where it draws, you know, like thousands and thousands of people. But, you know, the crowds are still there and, you know, people are supportive. But because it is so niche, I would say the fans are pretty diehard um, and the rivals are, you know, historic going back hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's definitely, I would say it's, one of the cooler things I've been a part of just being able to, you know, say like, Hey, you know, I've played in Harvard stadium or, you know, Princeton stadium, you know, stadiums that are really, really old and just have a lot of history behind them in the Ivy league. So I think it's something, you know, really important to me to, to participate in. Absolutely. Like the cornerstone of, of football as we, as we know it, just like the whole creation yeah. of the sport. I mean, just pretty yeah. amazing. Old school ground and pound football back in the day. Absolutely. Back when uh, the Ivy Leagues and and the military academies were the ones running the show. Right, right. A little different yeah. nowadays, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I've always thought about uh, how the Ivy League doesn't allow their champion to play in the FCS playoff, and like. Oh gosh. How, how is? I mean, I, I, that has to like kind of eat at you guys a little bit yeah yeah it definitely hurts like there's there's many nights where i've lied awake thinking about it and many conversations i've had with friends and teammates just thinking like man like you know this team we beat by 50 um made it into the you know the fcs playoffs and you know they're moving on and advancing and we're like damn like if we would have had a shot like who knows how far we would have got and you know it is definitely really tough um you know, because the Ivy League sets that restriction on football alone. Right. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't even make we made sense the most of it, you know. <laughs> right, right. You guys absolutely made the most of it for sure. But the whole, the whole basis for not allowing football to do that just makes no sense to me because they allow every other sport to do it. So I, I, mm-hmm. I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, I don't either, and I'm I'm really hoping it would be honestly great, like to be an alumni, you know, like a, a 50 year old dude supporting the Big Green, and to see them in the playoffs, or you know, even this next year if they change it. And I have a feeling they, you know, they hopefully will change it because it's starting to get some traction. Um, how the Ivy League plays, and there's serious athletic competition mm-hmm. in the Ivy League, not just football. So I think people are finally starting to take notice um, after what us and other teams in the last few years have done being top 25 uh, in the nation. Absolutely. And and I'll be one of those supporters with you for sure. I mean, yes, sir. We'll be, we'll be cheering on. So I, I think I have to mention this. I mean, the fact that you were able to get two degrees during your time at Dartmouth, I mean, first off, bravo to you for doing that. I mean, that's amazing. Um, Thank you. And, just what what did you study um and what are you going to be studying now at new mexico state and what does life after football potentially look like with those degrees okay good question nice um so at uh dartmouth i had my ab in engineering sciences which is kind of like a general studies uh engineering and then i had my b uh specific in mechanical engineering and I'm still trying to decide what I want to study here um, at New Mexico State. But obviously, I'm going to try to play as much football as I can, uh, the ultimate goal being the NFL. But, you know, wherever, what league I can play in, as long as my body is working, I'm going to go for it. But post-football, um, I'd like to use my engineering degrees and hopefully uh, to uh, get a position in the government working either in defense or aerospace way way above my knowledge that's <laughs> just but, but kudos <laughs> at to this point that. that's amazing there's probably about five percent of it above my knowledge as well so I'll, I'll be learning on the job that that that's so that's so amazing and cool though to hear about just like to have the opportunity to do something that that that's extremely important obviously to to our nation um just yes, sir. just an amazing thing i mean Yes, sir. I, I'll go, I think, I'll go I think with, it's just because of my uh, my father's military background, so I just feel gotcha. some sort of like obligation back to the country. Okay, I gotcha. That makes that makes sense. <laughs> well, now now I want to go into the transfer portal talk and just uh, I'm always like I said earlier, I'm always really intrigued to kind of hear how this process kind of goes. And, mm-hmm. like, first off, I got to ask. What is the process of entering the transfer portal even? Um, so it's, you know, it, it's pretty, I mean, for me, it was pretty easy. Um, it was just notifying my coaches and then going through the uh, NCAA eligibility center mm-hmm. and basically telling them that you're going to be declaring for the portal. Um, and if all your requirements are satisfied, um, then usually they'll get back to you um, in a few days and let you know that your name has been entered in the portal and coaches will be able to to view that and you're pretty much ready to go there uh, to get recruited but after that i would say the process where the process gets uh pretty hectic what what is the transfer portal process like as a player so as a player um it's definitely pretty chaotic. Uh, the entering process is pretty simple. It's just letting your coaches know 
and then going through the NCAA eligibility center. Um, but after that is when the, the crazy part starts and the real work starts, um, the recruitment. I mean, I sent out hundreds of emails and messages. Um, some got back to me, some didn't, and that's just the way it goes. But the squeaky wheel gets the oil, and mm-hmm. obviously I was able to pick up a few offers, um, some that were, you know, scholarships and then some that were walk-on opportunities but definitely the hardest part is staying committed to the grind when you know you're not getting any phone calls back or you know you're not getting maybe the offers you want and it's just staying committed and knowing hey like i'm a good player and they'll find talent anywhere and that's that's probably the most important part absolutely and that's kind of the story I've heard from other guys that I've inter- interviewed and talked to about this process is it, it, that it that it can be long and tiresome just because there's some days you're not hearing anything, other days you're hearing stuff. I mean, I've even heard some stories where guys are in there for months without. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it it's a it, it's a weird thing to me. Yeah, and it's definitely changed a whole lot. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's even, you know, you can even see it branching out in the basketball now. I mean, it's just, it's it's honestly getting closer and closer to uh, NFL free agency. So absolutely, I feel like the, the NCAA will probably step in here the next couple of years if it gets any more crazy. I, I would agree with you. I think that there's going to, there's going to be some type of legislation to it, I would have to imagine. Yeah, definitely. Especially with all the uh, NIL deals and right. million dollar stuff going on, I mean, it's just it's wild. Yeah. But I mean, it's you know, it's definitely changing a lot of people's lives. So Absolutely. right now, it's for the better. I couldn't agree more. I agree with that. Obviously, you choose New Mexico State. Um, how, how did that whole process go? about? I mean, of course, you have the the ties with your dad, but how does that whole process come about? Um. So I mean. They reached out to me. Um, this was after I had received a few offers and gone on a few visits. Um, and I was still in school at the time, too, uh, finishing up my last uh, term. They reached out to me, and we just started talking, Coach Wright and I, and, I mean, things clicked right away. They needed a tight end, and they told me what their tight end would accomplish in the offense. And I felt like I was able to bring that to the table. And, you know, things just kept ringing in from there i mean and then uh they offered to to have me come out there for a visit but unfortunately because of school i wasn't able to but given uh my dad's history and research i had done um and talking to them it was kind of a a clear decision for me without having a visit that it would be my next place gotcha i mean i'm sure you've been there many times with with your dad i would have to imagine Actually, this is the the first time I've been here. Oh wow! In New Mexico, yeah. So it's actually really, really nice being here. Um, but the first time I was here was with my dad, so it was nice. We got to walk around, and he got to show me um, like all the stuff that he'd experienced, like places where he had old memories. Um, got to see his name on the plaque of players, so it was it was a nice experience to be here with him for the first time. That's cool. What? I guess what attracted you the most to New Mexico State, I mean, of course, you, you talked about the opportunity that the coaching staff was was giving you and how you fit in, but what else kind of stuck out to you? Um, I mean, I would say the, the three biggest factors were, um, 
what I was able to accomplish on their team and what, you know, they wanted for me and how I was able to help them win and how they were able to help me. So I saw that as a, a big reason coming here. And then obviously my dad came here, so that was a very important part to me. But also just being closer to home now, so I'm able to travel back and forth and have more family visits since I have uh, a lot of family in Arizona, uh, in Maricopa, and out on the Navajo Reservation. So it'll be nice to have more family travel to games and be able to experience me uh, playing rather than having to fly 3,000 miles away. Right. Uh, what what type of energy do you think you would be able to bring uh, while playing at New Mexico State at your dad's alma mater? Like, what? I mean, that has to ex- excite you. Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like I can just feel the energy going through me right now, just like thinking about the first game and just being out on the field and. Uh, if if anyone's ever watched my film, they know I'm scrappy and I'm a grinder and I'm ready to, to get in there. And I don't care if it's Missouri, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nevada, Utah. I don't care who it is that's lining up across me. I'm going to hit them right in the mouth. And, you know, they might land a couple blows. But at the end of the game, we're going to see who won. And I feel like that's the, the type of energy that I'm bringing. And that's what football is. That's what you want. <laughs> yes, sir. Straight smash mouth. I, I, I'm excited to see uh, you guys schedule. You're playing two Big Ten teams. I live in Central Illinois, so I live in Big Ten country. Um, I've been to Wisconsin. That's an amazing environment. Um, just Minnesota. I haven't been there yet, but I think that that'll be an awesome experience for you too. Um, Definitely. W- which ones are you looking forward to the most? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, and Missouri game um, because I think those are probably going to be some of our tougher, tougher games. Um, you know, it, it, it would give us something to prove, and when we win those, I think people will kind of open their eyes to what we're doing this year. Um, Coach Kill and the whole coaching staff and everyone they brought in this year um, you can definitely feel the energy and excitement around what's going on and the turnaround that's happening. Um, and I just, you know, besides that, the, those games are obviously very large teams. Um, so I think it would be a, a great experience and then as well to put some good good film on. Absolutely. I mean, that's 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 where you're going to get noticed the most is those big games. And yes, sir. You brought up Coach Kill, and I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I mean, he's just one of the good guys in the coaching profession. I mean, just yeah, how, he is. how awesome is it just to be around him every day? Honestly, it's so far it's been amazing because, um, I mean, I, I just see him, and he's just got this – he's got his own type of energy. He's Coach Kill, and, you know, he's got his, his boots on, whether they're alligator, you know <laughs> – alligator skin or not i mean that was one of the first things i noticed about him and then he's got the the big beard and just the way he carries himself um he carries himself like a man but he also is a great leader and he brings that back onto the whole team he holds us accountable and he isn't afraid to to let us know when we messed up and i think that's the best part about him because he just wants the best for us and for the program I think it's amazing too how your first game is going to be at Minnesota, and he coached at Minnesota for the, for a while, and uh, had to step down for health reasons. But just uh, I just think that's really cool. 
like how that's like a full circle type thing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this season is is going to be it's going to have a lot of those because um, there's going to be a couple games where I'll actually be watching uh, my old tight end teammate Robbie Mangus. He'll be at Buffalo, and I'll be watching his film as we prepare for some games, and then. We'll be playing UMass, where I have two teammates, uh, Jalen Mackey and RJ Brandon. So I'll get to play against them and see them. So just a whole lot of you know new experiences this year, and it's definitely going to be something that I'm looking forward to. And I think it's cool that you brought that up, a lot of your former teammates. I mean, you guys at Dartmouth had a ton of guys go to the FBS level this year, and I think that's just it just speaks volumes to what you guys did there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, our team had a lot of FBS players and then across the Ivy League as well. You can mm-hmm. see, um, I believe there's a couple people going to large FBSs like uh, Penn State um, and a few other big teams. So it's definitely great to see not only guys on my team, but across the Ivy League get recognition they deserve um, at the highest college football level. Absolutely. And what you kind of mentioned this a little bit with like the, the offense that you ran at Dartmouth was pretty innovative. Um, and the scheme was pretty interesting. And what do you think the differences are from what you got now at New Mexico state compared to what, what you were, what you had at Dartmouth? Um, so far from what I've seen, I've, I've learned a few of the plays, um, both run and pass game, but it's pretty similar. Actually. Um, the tight end is used, almost exactly the same, um, in line, split out, run routes, uh, block, pass block. So that's pretty similar. And across the offense as a whole, it's pretty balanced. Um, but I would say the biggest difference, um, which doesn't really affect uh, the tight end position, would be in that at Dartmouth we ran the two-quarterback system with Kyler and Nick Howard and then uh, Kyler and Gerbino the year before that. So I would say um, that's probably the biggest difference in the offenses, but across the board as a whole, I would say they're pretty similar, which is nice, and it makes the transition here a lot easier. That does. That has to make it a lot, a lot easier for you to to be able to to pick it all up and just make it a smooth transition. Yeah, it's just like learning another language. Like you know, you might have some some words that you already know in Spanish. Um, and you're an uh, English speaker, but, you know, knowing some of that can help you uh, learn Spanish a lot quicker. So that's how I see it. You know, some of the, the stuff translates really easy. Outside zone is always outside zone. Inside zone is inside zone. It's just the the, wit, the play call tags and learning that stuff at the new school. It's a great way to put it. Uh, uh, just terminology might change a little bit, but it's still football at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The last question I got to ask you before we're done, um, I, I know you're just getting started with everything, but what is what is a day like for a Division One football player? Um, it's actually really, really nice. Um, I, I love it. it. It motivates me a lot to do more throughout the day, but usually it starts with like either a 7.30 or 7 wake up, um, get ready, go to breakfast. Breakfast is usually from eight to nine. Um, so you eat, get a little food in you, go down to the locker room, change. And then right now we have uh, 9 a 9 a.m. meetings. So we'll meet with our position group, uh, go over little plays, watch film, 
And then uh, we have about, so that's from 9 to 10, and then we have about 30 minutes to change, get some feel in us. Um, and then at 10.30, we have some running on the field, conditioning, and then after that, we'll transition into the weight room, and that'll usually be finished up around 12.30-ish. Um, then lunch is at 1. They provide us lunch and breakfast, which is really, really nice. Um, so we head down, get lunch. And then today we had a 7-on-7 at 1. That's not every day. Some days we'll have little gaps. So you go down 7-on-7 after lunch. And then after that, um, you're usually free for the rest of the day unless there's, like, team meetings or more stuff. Um, but in terms of camp, obviously that'll be more involved. There'll be stuff going on from about sun up to sundown. So it's definitely – it's not for everyone, but if you're, you know, a person who respects the grind and you like getting stuff done throughout the day and you like seeing, you know, genuine progress every single day, then being a college football player, like the lifestyle will, will work for you. Absolutely. I always love hearing that from players just because I go back to my basketball days and think of the the regimen and schedule that you have and everything and, and just – just to hear from the football side is just it, – it's always really interesting just because, I mean, it's, being a college athlete is a job, but it's, it's, the, Absolutely. it's the best job you could have. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, like, I've been very fortunate, and I'm sure a lot of players are, are very proud and, you know, thankful for the position they're in considering, like, you know, whether it's, you know, a walk-on spot or a scholarship. I mean, we're all playing – the sport that we love at the end of the day, which is, which is honestly amazing. Absolutely. And I, I, I got to, uh, as we conclude here, I got to thank you again so much for coming on. Um, and just thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and, you know, showing me what the podcast is about and just being a great host. I appreciate it. Really. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, I, I haven't set my schedule for, the games I'm going to be going to this year. So, I mean, I know you guys aren't going to be terribly far from me a couple times this year. So I, I, I might, I might be able to see you guys play. So that, that would be cool. And, uh, Hey, all you have to do is just let me know and I'll have, I'll have a ticket for you and a plus one. If, if you're wanting that, you're the man. <laughs> well, again, thank, I got you, you. thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, thank you so much to all my listeners who tune in. Uh, I always love doing these interviews. It's, it's just, a it's an awesome thing to do. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun for me and I really enjoy it. And, and I hope you guys too, um, have a good night. God bless.